1: Okay. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. So today we have with us Christine McKay of Venn Negotiation. So Venn Negotiation provides negotiation consulting and education, and they're changing the nature of negotiations by getting you more of what you want for yourself and for your business. Christine, welcome to the show.
2: It's such an honor to be here. Thank you for having me.
1: Oh, so welcome. So can you just expand a bit more about you know, who you serve with negotiations and what kind of, where your business is right now?
2: Absolutely. So we serve mid and small and mid-sized companies specifically when they are negotiating with somebody who is bigger than they are or who they think has more power than they do. So we are the negotiation center of excellence for our clients and do the research, the strategy development, understanding who our clients are and what they want and understanding what our counterparts want and need in order to find an optimal deal.
1: Oh I love the way you said that. So you help the is it right to call them the underdogs, the, the smaller companies to be able to 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 match to hold their own against seemingly more powerful, more dominant forces?
2: Yes, absolutely. So we, so we, right now, for example, I'm working with a, a, a it's a decent size nonprofit. So it's not like a, it's a little, it's about a, it's a couple million dollars in, in re- receipts. And they have a large um, advertising company that they Get revenue from for a Mm. variety of things. And so they felt that they were, my client felt that they were being taken advantage of for a long period of time. I discovered that they had been being taken advantage of for a long period of time. And we just got the most recent offer is uh, almost 300% more in revenue to my client than they were able to have gotten on their own. And so that's the kind of stuff that we do. Um, whether that's helping that, helping people reduce accounts payables, whether it's helping them improve the value of this of a sale to a larger organization in order to preserve revenue or to re- preserve profit really, and mm-hmm. minimize a risk because big companies like to squeeze people on profit and they, and they oh. push risk downstream. So we help our clients mitigate that.
1: Hey, that story, that example you just, you just gave us, I'm not sure if we can find like an applause sound effect on this podcast, but (laughs) oh my gosh, that is incredible. You're amazing. I love, love that. Um, How, how did you come into this line of work?
2: So I I mean I came into it after I started working in international mergers and acquisitions many many years ago and I found that the part of my job that I really liked was getting a lot of different people with different objectives and goals to agree on how we were going to approach a transaction
0: mm-hmm. and
2: as I moved further into my career um, I found that I always made negotiation part of what I did. And one day I was working on a really large MA transaction in Canada. It's actually the largest trans- MA deal in the, in Canadian history. Um, and I found that there they, both sides were missing a point. So they, they let's just say they had, they both had one vendor that was is a monstrous company. And they both were sitting there. Each company was sitting there going, my contract is better than your contract. No, my contract is better than your contract. Oh, no, my contract's better than yours. No, 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 no. And so they were having this this nutso fight over whose contract was better. And I was like, we've got to renegotiate the deal. So I came forward after reading both their contracts and I developed without them asking me to. Um, I developed a new strategy for how to approach this really insanely large organization, and um, I was like, "We we can do this and this and this," and I was coming up with very creative things to do, and they liked what they saw, and so then I, you know, helped Then I led the negotiation with that vendor, and we were able to improve the the value to our clients for an incredible by an incredible amount and that i realized that i was always going to find a way to bring negotiation into whatever it was i was doing i love the strategy side of negotiation i mm. love the analytical side of negotiation and i love the people the psychology elements of negotiation all three of those things are hugely important to me and mm-hmm. and then the executing on the back end and to make the deal work is it's just I just enjoy bringing that whole thing together to create more value.
1: Mm, I, I share your enjoyment of that. Um, Chris Voss been following him for an awful long time. Very famous FBI negotiator. Yep. And owner of the the Black Swan Group. Oh my gosh! Listen to the way that he talks about negotiation, but also. That's why I was so interested to, to have you on the show to talk about this from a um a business point of view and also a personal point of view, because mm-hmm. it, one of his biggest phrases, everything in life is a negotiation. Everything is. It's like, oh my gosh, that's so true.
2: I know. So, t- Chris Uh, has some different points of view. I love some of what he's done, and he's really elevated the conversation of negotiation. He's Uh made it sexy to talk about it because I mean, who doesn't like listening to hostage stories and you know with successful outcomes? Yeah. But in business, like typically there are times when you will have, I mean, we just saw in the United States where a group of people took a larger group of people pretty much hostage in congress to, to, to get you know that, what they wanted right so there are times when that happens but it's really 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 rare and you know i've negotiated in 55 countries and i you know a lot of the things that chris talks about are are very american ways of negotiating that don't fly in business because at the, the I think the I did a presentation a while ago, and there turned out to be a retired hostage negotiator in my audience.
0: Nice. And
2: somebody asked me about Chris's um, work. And I've read Chris's book, I've taken his class. um and, you know, this this individual said, these are the things that are make, make hostage negotiation not the same as business negotiation and why you should not negotiate in your business like you're negotiating a hostage crisis and one of the biggest reasons is is that you have a binary outcome in a hostage situation you're not looking to build a long-term relationship and in business we generally are not always, but we often are. And so that makes a big difference in how we approach. I, I mean, even the title of that book never split the difference. In business, we split the difference all the time. There are in, in a in a Verizon contract. If if I were a tech company selling to Verizon, that contract is well over a hundred pages long and has operating manuals attached to it and has supplier diversity language and has this you know com- compliance language and has this other I mean there's all these things there are hundreds of variables in business negotiation so you're going to split the difference and it's a lot it's and it's a lot about a lot more than just price. So, Mm. so the, I, I love that he's elevated the conversation. I, and I really, and I appreciate the things that I've learned, but we definitely have some difference of opinions. And I I love
1: you. I love the way you brought that up, um, especially with the relationship angle, because, um, that is like, absolutely. I mean, the work that we do on forget yourself is about the relationship with yourself, but then with everyone around you with your team, with your partners, with your clients, your prospects, it's about the right communication. Um, Even if you personify your business, your relationship with your business. Now that counts for a lot. Mm -hmm. So for you to pull this back into, mm, it's not right or wrong. Yes or no success or failure. It's yeah. There is a with sounds like with a lot of your clients, there's an ongoing relationships that you need to, to build and nurture at a time when, I would I would guess i from wrong emotions are pretty high during these kind of negotiations especially with the smaller clients that you serve.
2: Well, and that's one of the things that I am really uh, it's a hot topic for me right now is the role of emotion in negotiating because I hear a lot of people talk about how oh, you can't be emotional, you know, no emotions, shut your emotions down, manage your emotions, control your emotions. And I call BS on all of it because negotiation is purely an emotional act. It, it's completely emotional. The decision to do a deal or not to do a deal is based entirely on how one feels about that deal? Do I feel that the, that I can trust this person? Do I feel that the benefits that I, that, you know, our team is anticipating are actually going to happen? Do I feel it is all a feeling based activity. And so we do a lot to help people understand what am I feeling in a moment? And how do I behave contrary to my emotion? Because it's one thing to feel something and then act in a way that undermines the deal, which is what happens a lot. And for some reason, a lot of people also think anger isn't an emotion. So, because as a woman who's a negotiator and who's negotiated with so many of the largest companies in the world, i've often i've often been told well you're a woman you're emotional and i'm like yeah you're a guy and you're angry and an ass so so what right <laughs> so 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 what <laughs> right whatever i don't you're you're emotional too just because you think that you're emo- not or because somebody thinks that they're emotion that one there's a they're different there's one way of being emotional and not the, the fact is we're all emotional all of us mm,
1: just to jump in there if i can the, the mm-hmm. point about it's all about perception so a person someone's perception of what an emotion is someone's perception of how they're reacting someone's perception of what someone said and how they the behaviors
2: there exactly
1: they're going through it's it's all open to interpretation and, and perception. Um, is that a big part of your role with um, your clients, with helping them to understand their emotions, understanding where they are mentally and behaviorally, maybe things that they, they can't see during the negotiations that you need to hold them accountable for and, and coach them through?
2: Oh, yeah. I have clients, I have, and they fall on a spectrum. I have clients who are angry who I have clients who just want to like stick their heads in the ground and hide. Um I have clients that are vengeful that want to, you know, really, you know, take it, you know, take the other side to the cleaners. I have clients who it's like all about what they want. It's it's me mm-hmm. and only me. Um and they don't care about their counterpart. And so part of our role is it's it's a broader negotiation because we're negotiating first of all i'm still negotiating with myself when i'm negotiating i'm negotiating with my clients and i'm negotiating with my counterparts and and i have to bring all of that together to get to a successful deal and so understanding the basis for how my client is feeling about uh, feeling about a deal or feeling about a relationship Is hugely important because I can get all the data and I'm a very data oriented negotiator. So I spend probably 75 to 80% of my effort is in preparing for the negotiation, understanding my clients, what's important to them, their economics, understanding, having hypotheses about my counterparts, understanding their business. Um, and understanding the current external environment that's impacting the the, the potential deal. Mm. So we, I spent a lot of time understanding doing that and analytics, but I also spent time understanding how I think everybody's been feeling about the relationship. And just because one side's upset, hurt, whatever, doesn't mean the other side feels this the other side may often doesn't even have a clue that there's uh. an issue with that, with the relationship.
1: Oh, isn't that true in real life? I say real life in in everyday life, everyday personal Absolutely. life. Because um, we're you not mind-
2: transparent.
1: Yes, we we don't say what's on our mind. We don't communicate effectively. Um, so if we can just move this away from sort of the, the business side and talk about um, in, you know how you have managed yourself through what I would guess can be quite a stressful situation, quite a stressful business. A lot of people listening to this podcast, lots of different businesses go through stressful times. It can mm-hmm. be tough. It can be, you know, lots of guilt, lots of anxiety, lots of overwhelm. We spoke offline here. Oh, overwhelm is one of the biggest things that can hold us all back. But yeah, how have you been able to manage yourself? Is, has it been tough?
2: So the big thing for me is that I, and this would be contrary to what you will hear a lot of people talk about. I do not focus on the results. All I can do is control the inputs that I have control over. Mm -hmm. I can't control whether, you know, if I negotiated, I had a client who um, was looking to sell their business. It was a massive amount. It was a massive six figure number mm-hmm. for, for us when when the deal closed. And the client decided to walk away from the deal, which meant that we didn't get anything. And on one hand, I could have sat and been incredibly upset because it was close to a seven million dollar figure number for, for us in revenue. I could I could be, you know, the day that the, I got that call, Right. I could have sat in a corner, hugged my knees and cried. I could have gotten angry and thrown things. I could have been swearing. I could have been, I could have been all sorts of emotion. Right. Um, but I chose to be glad. I t- chose to be joyful about it because what turned out was the work that, that we did allowed our clients' sons to see the value in the business that their parents had built for 42 years. And now they are interested in helping their father and their mother build the business so that they can take it over. That was right. I just gave myself goosebumps thinking about that, right? So, so who am I, who am I to sit and say that that's a bad outcome? It's not, that's an amazing outcome. It's 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 a beautiful outcome. Yeah, your and ability the, there
1: to to reframe, if I may, the reframing is beautiful. The reframing there is, I think, it's a something that we we all struggle with at time to time. But the ability to do that, um, um, and that, if that's allowed, a family to maintain the business, keep the business, see the value, and fall in love. That's one that we help our clients do: fall in love with your business again. Yeah. That's Absolutely. incredible.
2: The dad was completely re-energized because of the work that our team did. And, and he like re he re he got, he got, he got re-energized and he was like super excited about building and growing the business. And then his sons got back in. I mean, it just, and will they sell the business? Yes. And you know what? I am a hundred percent certain when they are ready to do that, that they will call me. They will call to what
1: you said before about relationships you're building relationships with, between businesses but ethically you're building relationships with, with, with your prospects and your clients um,
2: exactly and, um, and there's yeah, the fruition
1: there's the results
2: yes and, and the thing is is that I mean that happens in, in everything right I can I can't control the out I cannot control results there's always an external thing or person impacting the results. Even like, if you think about sales, right? I can do all the things to, to close sales, but it's not the ultimate decision to buy is not mine. All I can do is control the effort that gets, that goes into that Mm -hmm. and then hope that I've found the right people to buy. Right. And so I think that one of the biggest, one of the biggest things that for me in business, is really learning not to get hung up on the results because the results take care of themselves when I focus on the things that I can influence. If I start focusing on things I have no influence over, that's when overwhelm sets in. That's when frustration sets in. That's when, you know, imposter syndrome sets in. That's when all of those doubts and and things set in, but if I focus on what I know I am capable of doing and what I can control and influence, and I stop worrying about what the results are going to be, that for me has been that's been the biggest game changer. And you know, and and I do reframe pretty much everything. Pretty much, it, it's very hard to to shake me from from things on things like that. I mean, losing a nearly seven figure you know, project was, was a big deal. And, and I was totally okay from it with it from the moment it happened.
1: Mm. But that, what you're saying now, you're talking about love language, because that is so true that we can't focus on the results. Bless us. Who are we to think we have any control over the results? Ah, but to be able to focus your attention and your energy towards those things that you can control. Well, now you can start to make moves. Now you can start to even the smaller businesses who are starting to grow or the CEOs who you, know, you, you can't control the outcome of everyone that works for you or the jobs that they do or the clients that you um, let's focus on the clients with that um, as I go off on a, a tangent down some rabbit hole, but what would you say to clients um, business owners who are in like a, a, an industry where it is about the result, they have to sell the result. I mean, all the marketing, Experts say sell the result, sell the end result. If they've got no, if ultimately it's up to the other person to do the work, put down the strategy, um, you know, follow the advice. What would you say to people who have been told so heavily focus on the result, sell the result? Is there something in there that could be refined slightly?
2: Well, I think that, I mean, we all look to, like, we all, like, I, even I have sales numbers sitting in front of me and I have, you know, my, my targets and all that. So we have, you can't, you, you really cannot measure what you don't manage, what you don't measure. So we, we have to have some key performance indicators that we look to in order to, to build and grow our business, to know that we're being successful. I think that a lot of people focus on the wrong KPIs though. I think that they they look at revenue as a KPI. Well, is revenue really a KPI? Revenue is an output. Revenue it, price is an output. Price is an output of a whole bunch of things that go into it, right? So it's a it's about finding the KPIs that you can actually influence. Right? It's so if you're gonna talk results, talk about the results that you actually get to influence. Don't talk about the results that um, well, here's an example. So I had a client who was in a down industry. They had accumulated a massive liability to a key supplier, about a one and a quarter million in, in liability, legitimately owed, but they didn't, couldn't afford to pay it. And so the, the vendor was like, forget about it. You are, you've got to pay it or we're going to sue you. We're going to put you out of business, blah, 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 blah. We're going to shut you off. Um, and it was an internet services company and it was their hosting provider. So it was their data center provider. And so I come in and we did a bunch of different things and we were able to reduce that liability from one and a quarter million down to 300,000 and keep them in their data center, can continue to have that vendor continue to provide services. Seven years later, that company sold to a fortune 25 company for $154 million. Now, which results matter, right? Which results can I tout, right? I had no control over the sale of that business for, you know, to that, to that big company. But I did have control and influence over reducing that liability by over 75%, right? That I So that's a result that I controlled and influenced. I can talk Mm. about that one. But for me to sit and say that, you know, can I say I helped a company go public? Well, I can because the CEO actually said, Christine, you not only helped us survive, you helped us thrive. We would never have been able to do this if you hadn't, hadn't made that go away
0: mm-hmm. right
2: so it's so there is results and then there's there's results that you influence directly and results that people take advantage of or take credit for that are not theirs
1: yes interesting so. point all those things you <clears throat> directly and they indirectly
2: mm-hmm. there's a
1: such a different language there love that yeah
2: because, I mean, the, the marketing is sexy to say, I helped company, I, ha- I helped, you know, I, I did a similar project that a company went public, right? And I'm like, can I, can I say I helped a company go public? No, I, I didn't help them go public, but I saved them enough money and I got them out of a bad contracting situation that allowed them to set themselves up to go public, mm-hmm. right? It's no different that I've worked on billion dollar transactions, multi-billion dollar transactions. And, and I can say I've worked on multi-billion dollar transactions, but you don't do those kind of transactions in a vacuum. I worked on them with really large teams of people, right? Mm -hmm. So it's in transparency, it's about being honest about what I get to influence and what I have direct influence over and the results that I get to influence or, or not versus taking credit for stuff that That
1: actually isn't mine nice um and let's just just finish on you know everything you've been talking about it's been so fascinating and of course you're this this high-flying negotiator you've gone through all these deals you help all these people some great successes so you're you're fixed right you have no emotional dramas no no thoughts no mental challenges you're completely fixed right (laughs)
2: Right. There's a reason why emotion and negotiation is such a hot topic for me right now, Uh because um, I am one, one, I'm six days shy from being 17 months sober. And, um, you know, I have been on this amazing journey of learning about emotions. And, you know, I learned that there are 48 synonyms for angry. For anger, right? So it's like, oh, well, I'm not feeling anger. Am I feeling peeved, irked, perturbed? Am I fe- feeling rageful or murderous? Okay, well, there's a there's a lot of bandwidth between those 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 different words. Mm. And so I've been spending a lot of time getting in touch with that and and learning to sit in those emotions and say and and then act in ways that are contrary to those emotions to say, I was in a negotiation a while ago and, a, and a, with a guy, a Southern gentleman, I call him. And he was like, I don't know why anyone would ever hire a woman to negotiate. Everybody knows women can't negotiate. So I started to feel a few things, right? Mm. I, a lot of things started to come up. And so I could have behaved in a way that was consistent with those feelings, or I could behave in a way that was, contrary to those feelings. Mm. So I asked a question. I asked, I said, do you mind if I ask you a question? Go ahead. What reaction were you hoping to achieve by making those statements? And he's like, what, what, what do you mean? And I said, well, they were inflammatory statements. So what, what were you, how do you want me to behave? What were you trying? You were clearly trying to push a button. What button were you trying to push and how were you hoping I would react, just let me know so that I can decide if I want to do that. Right. And I said, or we can assume this was all a big mistake. And so he's, so we assumed it was a mistake and we moved on. But right. A lot of people would have reacted, would not have paused, they would not have stopped and said, Oh, let me acknowledge to myself that I'm feeling this way and be okay with that emotion, but not have that emotion not react to that emotion but act in a a more effective way to lead to a more effective outcome
1: that shows a lot of experience a lot of control and shows that i think the journey that you've been on
2: it's been a long journey I, i learned to negotiate on the road from homeless to harvard and beyond so i was unwed teen mom and um, I had three kids at 22. And when I became a single mom after leaving my first husband, I had to learn how to ask for help. And otherwise, I wouldn't have made it. And I'd set a goal to go to Harvard. And 11 years later, I was at Harvard um, with my three kids. And, you know, that, that being able to relate to people across a broad spectrum. Learning the resilience of standing, mm. of of having, of getting kicked in the gut over and over and over again, and just going, okay, okay, let's just stand up and keep moving. Let's just keep. I might I might limp across. I might limp across the line, finish line, or whatever. But just keep going. But you're gonna going. get there. One nice. more step. Just one more step every day. One step a day.
1: Wow, Christine, this has been fantastic, and you've just opened up a whole. other conversation I, i would love to be able to invite you back on this show to go down that rabbit hole and understand that journey um if you would if you'd be so kind
2: oh absolutely i'd be honored thank you
1: super well thank you so much for your time this has been i love this stuff so thank you for indulging me and for for sharing so much hopefully lots of good advice for so many people out there at different stages
2: well, thank you so much for having me. Such an honor. I'm really, really excited. So thank you.
1: You're welcome. Um, if people want to find out a bit more about you and, and your company, what you do, where can they find you?
2: They can find us at ven, com, or they can find me on LinkedIn anywhere. It's just Christine McKay. I, I've been on LinkedIn for since pretty much it started. So,
1: Lovely. Well, everyone check it out. And Christine...